Well, good morning. Welcome to Carolina Family Church. For those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is John, and we are in the middle of a series called Trying to Manage. And we've talked about the resources that God has given to us and how we're supposed to manage those things really, really well. Um, The church word for this would be stewardship, okay, if you've heard that word and are familiar with it. But we've been talking about these individual resources and having the right mindset about them. We've talked about money, if you remember that one. We've talked about time, how to manage that. And last week, we talked about how to manage relationships. And you might be thinking, well, what else is there? You know, what other resources do I have? Well, today, I want to talk to you about a resource that you use 100% of the time. 100% of the time, and it's not one of those other things. And this might surprise you to talk about this, because I'll tell you that I, in 30 years of being a Christian, have never heard a message in church on this topic. And I've been itching to talk about it for several years now, since I finally learned to manage it well. And... Um, And this is my first chance. So this is the first chance that I've taken. Are you ready? You want to know what it is? Today, we are going to talk about how to manage our bodies. Our body. Have you ever thought about that? That your body is a resource that's been given to you and you use it 100% of the time. And we don't often think as far as church goes about how we manage our bodies although God has given them to us. Now, there's no shortage of information in our culture about how to manage your body, is there? I mean, it's everywhere, particularly in America. Body image is a huge thing. That's the term, right? Body image, how we see ourselves, how we think about ourselves. And the trend of our culture is always, you need to be smaller, you need to be fitter, you need to eat more healthy, you need to get on a diet, you need to, those are the same thing. You need to go exercise, you need to do all this stuff. And so, Thankfully, I think there's a little bit of a shift back in our culture towards general health and and positive body image, but there's no shortage of people telling us how to manage our bodies, right? There's every diet known to man out there, isn't there? Like, so you can be a, you can be a carnivore, that's a meditarian, right? You can be a, 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 a herbivore, right? be a vegetarian, or you go so far as to be vegan and say no animal products whatsoever, or you could be a, you know, an omnivore like me. That's a seafooditarian. Okay. You seafood and eat it. Doesn't matter. Meat, vegetable, doesn't matter. You can, you can be paleo. You can do the Atkins diet. You can do the cleanse. You can do the South Beach diet. There's no shortage of people telling you how to eat and what you should eat. Should be whole and organic and raw and all of this kind of stuff. Everybody's got an opinion about that. And not only the, the diet side of things, but the, the exercise side of things, right? There's always new exercise programs coming out, or you should walk this many steps so now everybody's got a Fitbit. And it's, you need to exercise, and it needs to be like varied in how you do it. And so the big thing now is what? It's CrossFit, right? Are any of you CrossFitters out of curiosity? Any CrossFitters in the room? Okay. I know the Jacobusons are, but they're back with the kids, all right? They need that energy. They need that stamina with the kids and Carolina kids. But this CrossFit, it, it didn't used to be CrossFit though, right? It used to be P90X. Anybody do P90X? A few people. I tried a couple of those things. Sure. Um, before that, Tybo. Anybody Tybo? Billy Blanks? Anybody? Okay. And before that, sweating to the oldies. Richard Simmons, anybody sweat to the oldies? All right. It's always something. It's always something. No shortage of people telling us how we're supposed to eat and how we're supposed to exercise and what our bodies are supposed to look like. And I thought, what, what, if, what would it be like if we actually looked at how God 
looked at our bodies and how he wanted us to manage them. This is something I've struggled with my whole life because um, I've been overweight my whole life, and I've always struggled with it. It's in my genetics, and I can't escape it, and I've tried to run from it my whole life, and, and I was really self-conscious about it. Really, really, I was going to say as a kid, but really my whole life. I had a couple bad experiences as a kid where I was being teased for my weight, and um, there's one time in particular I went out on a limb, and I wanted to I was at a camp for school, and I, I, they were doing this big slip and slide thing, and I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my shirt off, and like that was a big deal for me, take my shirt off and go down the slip and slide, and I had a blast, and it was so much fun. And then we went to school the next week, and someone had videotaped the whole thing, and they showed it during class. And during class, when they showed me coming down the slip and slide, there were kids making jokes and laughing all around me, and I'll never forget that. And so I've always struggled with my own weight and my own body image, and I've tried everything. I mean, I did, I did Atkins, which I just ate bacon all day. And I can't, it's delicious, but it can't possibly be good for you. Um, I, I was willing to try anything. I did, the, um, I did the cleanse thing where I could only eat for one week. I'd basically only eat kale, you know? And then the second week, I could put a little vinegar on it if I wanted some flavor. And the thing for me is that nothing stuck. And the reason that nothing stuck is because I had the wrong mentality about my body. And so I was just trying to look good. I was just trying to feel good. I was just trying to impress people. I was like, I know I got a six pack under there somewhere. I've just never seen it. I have to from all this time I've spent sucking my gut in. Those muscles must be toned. But nothing worked, nothing stuck, and I felt terrible about myself. And then in 2012, I was at my heaviest. I weighed about 250 pounds, and I'm 5'9", so that's not a healthy weight when you're 5'9". And... Um, and uh, I all of a sudden realized that something needed to change. And God taught me that almost through a series of events, but then through one scripture in particular, how to view my body. And when I did that, all of a sudden I started eating better and exercising. I lost 50 pounds in six months and kept it off. And it had nothing to do with the diet that I did. I did an eating plan and I did an exercise routine, but it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with my mentality. And so what I want to do is share with you the scripture that I read that opened my eyes to the way that God wanted me to view my body. It's from 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is a letter. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing a letter to his friends in the church in Corinth. That's the city. And they're having a particular issue with their bodies. It's not weight or body image, but it's uh, using their bodies for sexual immorality. And so he's writing to them to deal with this issue of how they're using their bodies. And that absolutely applies as we're reading here. But there's a greater principle we can also learn about how we view our bodies and how we manage them. All right, so this is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 19. Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, when that sunk in for me, everything changed about the way I viewed myself and how I'm supposed to use this thing right here that he's given me for better or for worse, however much I may like it or dislike it. This is what he's given to me and he has a purpose for it. There's three mentalities, three realities that set in for me and I want to share those three realities with you. The first one is that my body is not my body. My body is not my body. 
how could I believe that God owned my money and God owned my time and God owned my relationships, but I own this? When, when maybe most obviously God designed this as opposed to those other things. See, if we believe, if we believe that God exists and that he creates us, then if you're a Christian, ownership is a myth. If you believe in God, then ownership is a myth. And we've been learning that throughout this entire series. We don't ultimately own anything. Now, the prevailing mentality of our culture is what, though? It's my body, and I'll do what I want with it, right? That's, that's what our culture generally, our society believes. It's my body, and I'll do what I want with it. And hey, if you don't believe in God, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I can't argue with that logic if you, believe that, if you don't believe that God exists, but if you believe that God exists, then we can't possibly take that mentality. My body is not my body. You know, in the Old Testament, God's presence resided in something called the temple. You notice that, that Paul says our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, God's presence resided in the temple, the tabernacle before that. When they were a portable church, it was the tabernacle. And once they got a permanent facility, it became the temple. And there was a specific room in there called the Holy of Holies or the Most Holy Place. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that's what was where um, the, God's presence resided. It was a super, super exclusive place. Only one person, the high priest, could go in there. And that's where God's presence, his manifest presence, existed. Now, Everything changes, though, when Jesus Christ comes, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes to earth, takes on human flesh, he lives without sin, and then he gives himself as a sacrifice for our sins on the cross. So he dies for us on the cross, and something amazing happens when he dies on the cross. As he's dying, as the, the thunder is rolling and the sky is growing black, and as Jesus is crying out to God as he's dying, as he takes his final breath, what we read is that the, the curtain that separated the people from the holy of holies, the most holy place, the curtain that separated people from God's presence was literally physically ripped in two from top to bottom, symbolizing a new age where God's presence doesn't reside there anymore. You may say, well, where does God's presence now reside? Well, Jesus dies on the cross. He takes on the punishment for our sin. He goes to the grave. He rises again. He ascends back to heaven. And after he ascends to heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit to live where? In us, in our bodies. And now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, I can't, this body can't possibly be mine. This body belongs to God. Paul said a little bit earlier in his letter, he said in verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take a members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. I mean, that's the specific issue he's dealing with them. But he, if I believe that I am infused with the Holy Spirit, that God literally lives with me and walks with me, then how can I go and do all of these things with my body and think that it's okay? It's not. And this is, what, this is the mentality that rocked me five or so years ago, when I realized everything I do, Christ does with me. Everything my, everywhere my body goes, Christ goes with me. 
So I need to really think about how I'm using this thing for better or for worse and how I'm taking care of God's house. I thought I would never walk into a church and flip the chairs over and break them and spray paint the walls and do all this stuff. Then why would I do things with my body that I know are damaging the temple of the Holy Spirit? That doesn't make any sense at all. So that reality that my body is not my body will really, really change things. Um, My daughter, Josie, she's five years old, and she's been struggling lately with bad dreams. She has nightmares, and so then I always get her, and I always pray with her, and we ask God to take away her her bad dreams. And um, the other night, I was laying in bed with her, and she was telling me she was scared she was going to have bad dreams. Like she was, now she's being anxious, which is a whole different thing. And I said, okay, Josie, there's something I want you to think about, and I want you to do. What we think about in our dreams are just the things that we see coming back out. So I said, so it may be that you're having bad dreams because you're seeing things you shouldn't be seeing. Like maybe there's scary parts on shows that you're watching and you shouldn't be seeing those things. And, and so I said, you know what? There's a little song. I don't know if, Joseph, you've ever heard this song, but it goes like this. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes. Do you know that one? All right, sing it with me. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know that song? There's other verses to it. I don't know if you realize that, but um, be careful, little eyes, what you see, of course. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And I thought, as I was singing to her, I thought, well, that's not true. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Where is God looking from? He's not looking down from heaven. He's looking from inside of us. Like, be careful. I don't know how to redo this song, but (laughs) it's, it's certainly not as cute or beautiful if you redo it. Be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Holy Spirit of God is living in your body. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. I don't know, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. Um, but uh, um, that was really on the fly. But um, the, 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 we really need to think very, very carefully about not only what we're doing, but what we're not doing, and then how we're taking care of the body that we have, that we've been given, because my body is not my body. God cares about our body because it's his too. Um, so that's the first reality. Here's the second reality, that my body has a purpose. My body has a purpose. Now, there are basically three things that we can do with our body. We can abuse it. So just, I don't care what happens to my body. It's my body. I'll do what I want. And so who cares if I damage it? And who cares what I do or what I don't do? We can abuse it. We can worship it which is to be so concerned about what other people think about us that it consumes our thoughts and our actions all the time. And so we're all constantly worried about how we look and how we feel and what other people are thinking, which could drive you potentially to working out five days and six days a week and eating, you know, only certain things and being really, really meticulous. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a bad thing when we're worshiping ourselves as we do it. Okay. So you could worship it. And the third option is that you can use it for a purpose. I want you to imagine for a second that God gave you a guitar and you instantly could play it. I mean, like Stevie Ray Vaughan level could play the guitar. Do you know who that is? 
I mean, you, I know a few of you do. Okay. I told this to my wife the other night. She's like, mm. I was like, no, you <laughs> like, okay. Eric Clapton level. Is that okay? Or uh, Monty Montgomery level. If you don't know him, you should know him. Um, but anyway, let's say God gave you a guitar. You could instantly play it like that. There's a few things you could do with it, right? You could smash it, which I mean, I know which sounds drastic. It sounds ridiculous. If God gave you this gift, why you would smash it? But don't we do that with our bodies? You could, you could take it and put it in a frame and put it up on the wall so that when people came over, you could say, look at this guitar. Look how amazing this guitar is. Isn't this guitar amazing? You draw all the attention to the guitar or, or you could play it. And as you play it, you could tell everyone about the one who gave it to you. You can, you can waste it. You can worship it or you can use it. Now, Paul was talking to um, the people in Rome, and they had this issue of taking the things that God had created and making them into idols and worshiping them, which we can easily do with our body. And it doesn't just drive you to be extremely fit, by the way. It can also drive you to shame and um, fear about your own body image and insecurity. But he says in Romans uh, chapter 1, so therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. He basically said, hey, that's what they wanted to do, so he let them do it. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is, forever, who is blessed forever. Amen. Isn't it ridiculous to worship the creation rather than the creator? Wouldn't it be ridiculous to worship our body or to waste our body rather than worshiping the one who gave it to us? Your body's not intended for its own pleasure, and it's not intended for your own glory. It's intended for God's honor. And so we need to look at what the purpose is for our body and use it only for that purpose. Now, there's universal purposes that we need to think about, and then there are specific purposes. So obviously, there are things we shouldn't do with our body. We shouldn't intentionally damage it. If there's an activity or something we do that we know is damaging our body, we should stop doing that thing for solely that purpose. We shouldn't be addicted to things physically because then we end up in the same position we're in when we're in debt financially. If we're addicted to something physically, our body is promised to that thing rather than being promised to God. It's available to that thing, but not available to the purpose of God. It is stealing the purpose of God. And so the same thing happens when you get into debt. Your money is promised everywhere else. You're unable to do what God ultimately wants you to do. All right? And we certainly shouldn't do anything impure with our bodies because they're a temple of the Holy Spirit and he has a purpose for us. So what should we do with our bodies? Well, he gave you, he gave you hands to feed people. He gave you feet to travel and take the good news. He gave you arms to hug people when they need to be encouraged. He gave you muscles to work and produce for his kingdom. He gave you a mouth so you could speak and share the good news of Christ. Now, we all have those purposes, but we each have a unique purpose too. And um, that's why God has given us all unique bodies, by the way. We're not all the same. Did you know that? God, God does not expect us all to have 3% body fat and to be able to run a marathon. That's not in the cards for me. I'm just telling you right now, it's not in the cards. So he must have a purpose for the body that he's given me. There's so much about our bodies that is outside of our control, Right? Like, I don't have control over my genetics, and I don't have control over my age. That just happens over time. There, there are many diseases and conditions that we contract that we have no control over, or injuries that come along, and we have no control over those things. 
And so if we believe that God has created our body and he has a purpose for our body, then I need to believe that whatever is outside of my control is within God's control and therefore within his purpose for me. So whatever your situation is with your body, know that it is part of God's purpose for your life. So you might say, well, why did I get that injury? Why was I in that car accident and had to spend three months in the hospital? Maybe God wanted you to be in the hospital so that you could minister to the nurse that was serving you every single day. Maybe you say, well, why did I have that illness? Why did I get that disease? Well, maybe so that you could walk through it with other people. You could show people how to have faith. When I look at the, the scripture, people that say that if you are sick or if you, are, if you have a condition or if you're injured, it's because of your own sin or some failure, are, they're full of it. Because as I look at the scripture, I see a whole lot of people that have physical problems, that do amazing things for God. All right? I think about Paul, who's writing this letter that we're, we're reading Paul said he had a thorn in his flesh, a physical condition. We don't know exactly what he's talking about, but most likely it was his eyesight. Paul had a significant visual impairment. He couldn't see. He couldn't even really write. In fact, the, the letters that we read in Scripture, he didn't write them down himself. Somebody else penned them for him because he couldn't see. The only one he wrote himself was the, book of, was the letter to his friend Philemon. He wrote that in his own handwriting for legal reasons. That's the whole thing. But... Um, he had a significant visual impairment. He tells us in the scripture, he said, I prayed three times that God would remove it. And what God said was, my grace is sufficient for you. That God wanted to use that to humble Paul and to teach Paul that God would do everything that Paul couldn't. And so God, in many cases, will use what we might see as a disability, what we might see as an inadequacy, what we might see with negative eyes, God has a positive purpose for. So what is that purpose for you? I think about Job. He's called the most righteous man who had ever lived. He was afflicted with so much. He, he had boils all over his body, and God used that to try and teach his friends about what faith looked like and to teach him what faith looked like. Think about the apostle John, who, um, because of the message he was teaching and because of the opposition that he faced, people tried to kill him. They tried to turn him into a, a martyr is what he would have become. So what they did was they boiled John in oil. They tried to deep fry him, and it didn't work. He survived. God had a plan for him and a purpose for him, but you know what? John lived the rest of his life with severe physical disfigurement as a result of his burns, and he used those for the glory of God. I don't think that our Savior was in good physical health when he gave his life for us. He was beaten within an inch of his life. He was not recognizable as a man, but he did it. He went through that pain to fulfill the purpose of God, which was to save every single one of us from sin and death. And so whatever your purpose is, whatever your condition is, look to see how it's part of God's purpose for you. So that's my question to you. What is the purpose for your body? Can you answer that question? What is the purpose for your body? Second reality is that there's a purpose for my body. The third reality is that my body must be managed. So there's a lot that's outside of my control, but there's a lot that's inside of my control. And I need to think very carefully, we need to think very carefully about how we are managing our bodies. If you know what your purpose is, you can manage your body towards it, toward that thing. This, this landed on me so hard when God was teaching me this years ago. Um, I had a young son, JD was real young at the time. I think he was an only child at the time. And we have a two-story house. 
And I, I'd, gotten, I'd gotten bigger. I was, like I said, I was about 250 pounds. And I have back and knee problems for when I was a young kid and I was foolish. And I thought that I could do things that I couldn't do. And I used to be a roofer. And I, uh, my boss was in his mid-40s. And he kept telling me, don't do, don't do stupid, man. Just don't, don't do that because you're going to regret it later like me. He had major back problems in his mid-40s. And I was like, yeah, you don't know. I'm young. I'm going to live forever, man. You have no idea what you're talking about. So I'd throw a pack of shingles over this shoulder and a pack of shingles over that shoulder and scurry up the ladder, you know, without touching it, just balance your way up. And uh, he was right. Okay. And I have, I have pretty bad uh, back and knee problems today because of being foolish when I was young. And one of the things that I learned through this whole thing is that it matters what I do with my body now because I want to be able to fulfill God's purpose for me later. And so what happened, um, one day in particular, I was taking JD up to bed and I carried him up the stairs and I was going to read him a story and um, I sat down on the floor to read him a story, and I was so out of breath that I couldn't even get the words out. And my knees were killing me, and my back was killing me, and I was sour um, because I felt so bad, and he was just begging me to read him a story. And I just realized, one of my purposes is to be a dad, and if I stay on this track, I'm not going to be around for these kids. Like, I can't even read a story to them, and, and I can't guarantee, based on the way I'm living now, that I'm going to be around for them when I'm 50 years old. And I'm not going to have a heart attack or a stroke or something before then. And so I got to do what I got to do now to make sure that I'm in good health for them later. So you think about your purpose and then manage towards it. Now, I, listen, some of us, uh, some of you, I should say you, some of you are built like Ferraris, okay? And some of us are built like Priuses. And it's cool, okay, because God has a purpose for a Ferrari and he has a purpose for a Prius, but you don't have to try to be the other thing, you know? You don't have to try to be the other thing. Know who you are. Know what your purpose is. So for some of you, you are in top physical shape, and that's awesome. That's really, really great. You're careful about what you eat, and you're careful about how you exercise, and you try to stay in top shape, and you do that for a kingdom purpose, not to worship yourself, but to worship God, and that's amazing. But but some of us, it's a bit of a struggle, and so we just need to make sure that we're managing ourselves well enough that we're able to do what God asks us to do. So just ask yourself this question, is my body ready to fulfill its purpose? Is my body ready to fulfill its purpose? If the answer is no, then we got work to do. If the answer is yes, I'd say you're good to go. All right? I had a friend, I just want to tell this story really quick. Um, she was in her um, late 60s, I believe. And she decided that she wanted to go on a mission trip. She wanted to go, for, I think, for three months to Africa on a mission trip. But she was at a weight where she wasn't able to do that. She wasn't able to make the trip. She wouldn't have been healthy. Her doctor told her it wasn't wise for her to do that. So you know what she did? She knew what her purpose was. She got on it. She got on it in her late 60s. She got on it, and she lost over 100 pounds so that she could get on a plane. She could go to Africa for three months and serve people. So know what your purpose is and manage your body towards it. God really cares. He cares about how we manage. And, and actually, you may not believe me. Let me, I'll prove it to you. I talked about the Old Testament law earlier. That's the law that the Israelites had to follow in order to be in good shape with God. That's how they were justified before God. All kinds of rules, right? What they could eat, what they couldn't eat, um, what they were, how they were supposed to rest and the festivals and feasts and, and um, you know, cleanliness things and medical things and all kinds of stuff. Have you ever stopped to think about why so many of those Old Testament laws had to do with their physical bodies. 
They didn't have a scientific understanding of proteins and amino acids and vitamins and minerals. They didn't, they didn't have a medical understanding of bacteria or viruses. They had no idea what salmonella was or any of those things that we know now. Is it possible that all those rules were protecting God's people from physical harm that he saw that they didn't see? Like maybe there's a reason he told them not to eat, eat pork. Because if it's undercooked, you could get really sick. There's a reason he told them not to eat scavenger birds and insects and, and uh, what else, snakes. There's a reason he told them not to eat shellfish. We understand how dangerous that can be um, to us if, if it's not prepared properly. Like, they didn't understand these things. There's a, reason, there's a reason the Old Testament law told them to wash their hands before they eat. <laughs> you know, for us today, it's like, well, duh. But for them, they didn't know. They didn't understand this is the reason that there were procedures for when they had a communicable disease or when they had a skin disease or whatever. God was taking his people and was setting them apart and protecting them physically because he cared about their bodies and he wanted them to be set apart from the rest of the world. So there's a spiritual aspect to it, but there's a very physical aspect to it as well. And so they followed all these things. You know, it's interesting because they've, well, let me, let me read you this. Have you ever heard God called the great physician? Heard that phrase? Okay. That, that comes from an Old Testament name for God. There are multiple names for God in the Old Testament. One of them was Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah means God. Rapha means the one who heals. So God, the one who heals. Jehovah Rapha. You may have heard that one before. Do you know it's only in the Bible one time? Just once. It's in Exodus 15, chapter 26. And look at this. This might, it shocked me when I learned this. Because I'd always heard that. God, our healer. God, the great physician. And I always thought about Jesus who healed people and gave them back their sight and, you know, made the lame walk and all of this, which he did. You know, God does that and can do that. But Jehovah Rapha is from Exodus 15, 26, where it says, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. So that's actually where God says, hey, if you'll follow this law, if you follow all these rules, I'll keep you from getting sick. It's not, it's not restorative, it's preventative. So sometimes I, God gave them all these rules. Now we're not under the law, right? Because of Jesus Christ, we're no longer under the law, but that doesn't mean the principles of the law pass away. It just means that that's not how we're justified before God anymore. We're justified by Jesus. But there's a lot of wisdom in what we read in the law. And, and so God is protecting. He wants to protect his people. I wonder how many times we come to God and we say, God, please heal me of my high cholesterol. God's like, you shouldn't have eaten so much bacon. <laughs> you know How many times we ask God to heal us of things he warned us against to begin with. And, oh, God, I'm in this situation. And he's like, you shouldn't have done that in the first place, right? So we need to think about how we're managing what God has given to us. So we need to make sure that we are resting our bodies properly. God talks about rest over and over and over again in Scripture. Rest your body properly. We need to think about diet, what we eat and what we put into our body. Now, I'm not saying everybody should be a vegan. I'm not, I promise you. But we need to think about what's going into our body to make sure it's ready to do what it needs to do. There is a reason that whole, raw, unprocessed foods bring the most nutrition to our bodies because they come straight from the hand of God. And then every time we cook them, mess with them, science them up, 
they lose nutritional value. They become delicious in some cases, but we just need to think about what we're putting into our body. That's what I'm saying. We need to think about how we're exercising and what kind of shape and stamina we have so that we're prepared when God calls us to do something. And we need to think about how we're treating our bodies too, because it's not all on the front end. Some of it comes on the back end. God created God created plants and things to give us nutritional value. He created plants and things to give us medical value, both. He gave wisdom to doctors, so we need regular checkups. We need to make sure that we're in good health and don't be afraid to use medicine. We just have to be careful that we don't become addicted to medicine and that we're not asking a doctor or medicine to do for us what God is supposed to do for us. But we need to really think about how we use and manage, manage in our bodies. I just want to ask you, how are you doing at managing your body. Several years ago, I heard what was, what was the only talk I've ever heard on health from a pastor, physical health from a pastor, um, and it wasn't in a church setting. It was in a conference setting. It was Gordon McDonald, and he's a pretty well-known pastor. And he got up on stage, and he's in his mid-60s, and uh, he's, he, he takes care of himself physically. And he was just saying, it is sad to me how many of my colleagues, guys that are in their mid to late 60s who should be in the prime of their ministry when they have, they have the most biblical knowledge, they have years of ministry experience, they should be pouring into people and into other pastors. He said, it is sad to me that my colleagues, when they should be in the prime of their ministry, can't do it because they have high blood pressure, because they have cholesterol issues, because they're having strokes and things that would have been preventable had they taken care of themselves, how much is lost. And it's sad to me to think that God might have a purpose for you. It might have a purpose for me, and we might not be able to do it because we didn't take care of our bodies. So really think about that and what it means for you. Paul, in, um, as he still was writing to the Romans, he made this connection between our physical body and our spiritual worship. He said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Look, taking our bodies and saying, God, this is for you. This is yours. It's your body. You have a purpose for it. I'm going to manage it well and make sure I'm giving you the best. Living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, if Christ, Son of God, if he took on human flesh, if Christ gave his body for us, then should we not give our bodies for him? So I want you to think, we're going to pray, and I just want to pray and ask God to, to make it clear to each one of us what our purpose is for our body, to remind us of the ownership issue, but then to tell us what our purpose is, and tell each of us, because it's going to be different for each of us, what we need to do in order to honor him based on where we find ourselves, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that, you, um, that you've loved us. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to earth to die for us, to give his body, to live a physical life and to understand what that means and to, to give his life on the cross and in so doing, to pay for our sin, to sacrifice himself for us, to give up his body for us. We thank you for that gift that through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of our sins. And there may be someone here today who needs to accept that gift for the first time and say, Jesus, I accept the gift of your body 
on the cross, that you died for me, that today they would commit to you and say, God, I'm turning away from sin. I'm repenting of my sin, turning in a new direction today. And I want you to use my whole life now, God. Forgive me of my sin and use my whole life to honor you and my body as well. God, we believe that the power for that resurrection comes through the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, from the grave. That we can be assured of our salvation, that we can know we are, we are right with you through Jesus Christ. And to embrace the fact that you, you own us. You, you, this is not my body, this is your body. This is not my life, it's your life. This is not my money, it's your money. This is not my time, it's your time. These are not my relationships and influence. This is your relationships and influence. And I want to use it all for you. And that leads us to a higher purpose and a higher calling to do something that actually matters for all of eternity. And so, God, I pray that we would offer our bodies to you as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, that it would be our spiritual act of worship to do so. God, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit in this room, that you would speak to each and every one of your children and tell us what that means for us. Does it... Does it mean I need to understand my purpose more clearly and what you want me to do so that I have something to manage towards? Does it mean that I need to accept the fact that, that you are in control of me, that your Holy Spirit lives within me? Does it mean that, that, that you've told me what my purpose is, but that I need to know what changes I need to make in order to accomplish that purpose, whether that purpose is now or later, that I need to be prepared do I need to change the way I'm eating? Do I need to change the way I'm resting? Do I need to change the way that I'm exercising? Do I need to change the way that I'm medicating? Is there something that needs to change in my body so that I can do what you want me to do? And that is gonna be different for every single person here. You have different purposes and you give them different chemistries and makeups and DNAs and all that. And so I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would make that clear to each one of us. So that, so that one day when we meet you, whether, whether we pass away here and we go to meet you, whether you return, whichever one of those things happens first, that when we face you, we can take our body and we can hand it to you and say, I did the best that I could with what you gave me. And God, I thank you for the promise you give us in Scripture that one day we will receive a heavenly body, that we will receive a spiritual body that is more than this body could be, that while our body decays, that one won't. And that we will get to spend eternity with you in those bodies. And we want to show you now with this one that we can be faithful then with that one. And so God, I ask that you would just fill us with your spirit, that you would encourage us to know that you have a plan for us and that you've given us everything we need to accomplish it, that it's not too late, that it's not too far gone but that we have hope in you. And I thank you just for thinking about the tip of the iceberg of what we as a church can do when we all make this commitment together, the change and the difference that we can make. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.